This is the First Baptist Church of Oregon City podcast from October 6th, 2019. The sermon is At the Table with Jesus. The text is 1 Corinthians 11, 23-26, and it is spoken by Pastor John Witham. If you'll turn in your Bibles with me to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 11. And we're going to look at a passage that might sound very familiar to some of you. But my prayer is that the Lord would help you to experience it in a new way this morning. And we'll be looking at verses 23 through 26. Hear these words. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And when I say, this is the word of the Lord, the traditional response of the church is, thanks be to God. So, this is the word of the Lord. Amen. Well done. A little bit about my background. I grew up in a small town in West Virginia. It was more on the northwestern Ohio Riverside and not the uh, digging in the coal mines part of West Virginia. It was a little, a little more of the these sort of river songs, and a little fewer of the Johnny Cash digging coal from the ground songs. And growing up, uh, I spent the first few years of my life, my mom, my dad, my sister, and I lived with my grandmother and my grandfather, except we called them Mama and Papa. And so I, I had Mama and Papa, and we all lived in a trailer. And it was a trailer that my grandfather had purchased and put on a large plot of land. And because he was a carpenter, he had the know-how to build a few rooms onto this trailer. And so he did, including a room that had three beds in it and a, uh, a bathroom, you know, a kind of a half-bath situation. And that's where we lived until once he retired, we turned his old uh, car- he sold carpet for a living and we turned his carpet showroom into a house, and we lived in there, but it was one driveway with two buildings connected. And my mom's cooking abilities would best be described as passable. Uh, 
She was given a very hard time growing up about her ability to cook, but she knows how to do things, and she knows how to eat, and I stayed alive for the 18 years that I lived in her house, and so she did a very nice job, except she did that with a lot of help from Mama. Because every night, we would, we would go over to Mama's house for dinner. And uh, Mama's house... It was not just, you know, oh, come in, grab a plate, go watch TV, whatever. It was, when it's time for dinner, we sit down at the table. And Mama's table, it wasn't anything fancy. She didn't have a nice dining room set. It wasn't that she, she had ornate plates and and china and, and silverware of, of great family value that had been passed on from year to year. That stuff was all in a closet, and I have literally seen it once. And that was when we pulled it out of the closet and handed it on to somebody in our family who wanted it. It was normal eating ware. It was a normal table. But it wasn't about the things that we were, the, the instruments of eating. And it wasn't about the food. Mama was an okay cook, but she had grown up in the Great Depression. She was born in 1916. And so when the Great Depression struck, she was in her teenage years, and she was the oldest of seven children. And fortunately, being on a, a farm in, in Wirt County, West Virginia, which was in the hills, um, she didn't, they didn't really feel a lot of the sting that the rest of the country did because they were already growing their own foods and, and butchering their own cows and chickens and everything else. But all of her food was kind of the food of poverty, it was the food of the poor. It wasn't sumptuous roasts and, and rich, creamy mashed potatoes. It was a dish called creamed tomatoes where you tore up little pieces of Wonder Bread and you took stewed tomatoes and you added in a little bit of the cream from uh, the top of the milk that, that you would get. And it would make this creamy sauce and you would put it on top of the bread. And that was dinner. It was a lot of treat, not spam. Spam was too expensive. You were paying for the name. It was treat. T-R-E-E-T. -E -E and so there was a lot of that. So it wasn't about the food. So if it's not about the implements and it's not about the food, then what was it? It was about the family. But more importantly, I look back and it was about Mama. It was about Mama and her character it was about who she was, that she loved her family enough that even in advancing years of age, she continued to put food on the table for us. It was about her values. It was about her values that everybody ought to eat. Everybody ought to have enough. And it shaped our whole family. I remember those, those dinners with great fondness in my heart because those were the meals where I learned that my mom and dad love me and Mama and Papa love me and that Jesus loves me.
and sometimes my Uncle David and Aunt Linda would bring their three kids over on a Friday or Saturday night, and we would have Mountain Dew and uh, a type of pizza, a ch pizza chain in West Virginia called Napoli's, uh, and, and we would have Mountain Dew and pizza, and Uncle David traveled all the time, and he would show us slides of where he had been. But that shaped us as well, because it was still around Mamaw's table. Now, this isn't a, a message to tell you, hey, we need to get back to that time of sitting around the table and eating with our families, though you could make a very strong case for that. Because one thing that we have lost in our world is eating together. As Jim said in his prayer, we live in a world divided. And one of the reasons that we're divided is because we, we, it's very easy now to fire shots at each other from a distance. But when you're sitting down across the table from somebody, it's really hard to hate someone. For the next couple of weeks, we're going to talk about different tables or circles that Jesus has set for us in the world. Because if we believe Matthew 28, when Jesus says he's, it's his last um, message to the disciples in the book of Matthew, we call it the Great Commission sometimes, and we like to get to like the ending part of it, but there's this little phrase at the beginning of it where he says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given unto me. Not some authority, all authority whether we're here, whether we're in our homes, or whether we are sitting at a table in a restaurant or a coffee house or a bar, Jesus is Lord. And so we're going to look at what does it mean for Jesus to be Lord in each of these three different spaces. Because when we come to the table with Jesus, just like going to the table at my mamma's house, we learn the values. We learn what it means to be with Jesus. Now, the Corinthian church, they're one of Paul's, like, problem children. And maybe you were the problem children. I was a problem child. I still am a problem child. I'm the one who keeps moving farther and farther across the country. Um, also, my, um, my, my mom spent uh, five to seven, the first five to seven years of my life teaching me to read, enriching my love of knowledge, helping me become somebody who has a large, fluent vocabulary, and then has spent every day of her life since regretting it. And so, so the Corinthian church is Paul's problem child, but, but maybe not so much in a fun way, because they would get together for meals, meals like the one that we we're going to have on the other side of this wall after the service. Shameless plug. They would get together for meals, and the Corinthian church had a lot of economic diversity in it. There were very rich people, and there were very poor people, and there were some people in between, but there were a lot on either end of the spectrum. 
And so the rich people got together and said, look, we've got better food than what the poor people are able to contribute, so why don't we go ahead and like get together first, like get together early, so that, that when they get there, there will be some food left, but we've had the best of it. And so the poor people were showing up, and, and there was less to eat. And they would bring what they could, because that was what the church did at the time. The, if you were wealthy, you brought a lot of food. If you were poor, you brought what you could bring. And it didn't matter, because it was the table of Jesus. It wasn't just a little chunk of bread and a little sip of grape juice. They would, they would have a feast or at least they were supposed to. But the Corinthian church, what they were doing is they were dividing themselves up, not based on Jesus, but based on money and social power. And so Paul's writing to them, and he's reminding them of what the value of the Lord's table really is. He would go on to say a couple verses later uh, and encourage them that they need to eat and drink and discern the body of Christ. Because we say there's words. Jesus told us that this bread is his body and this cup is his blood. And as, as Baptists, we, we don't believe that literally. But what we do believe is around the table of the Lord, Jesus is present. We meet Jesus in a real way at the table. There's lots of doctrinal disagreements and lots of theological arguments you can get into about exactly how that happens, but I, I don't care. <laughs> They're not important. Just don't tell the Episcopalians I said that. It's not important because Jesus shows up at the table. He is present with us. We learn Jesus' presence at the table. The table, when Jesus instituted it, came out of the Passover meal. And that was the Old Testament passage for the morning that Jim read. Because the Passover was the meal that was eaten on the night before the Israelites were ultimately freed from slavery in Israel, by Egypt, and they were headed, presumably, for the Promised Land, though we know that didn't happen, that didn't turn out as well as they had hoped. But it was the meal they had before that and they were told that for all of their lives, they were to remember this meal. So that every year, when they got together for the Passover, it started the same way every meal. The family would sit down, and the oldest child would say, what's so different about this night? And that began the Passover celebration. This meal was part of the remembered story of the Israelites. 
when we gather around the Lord's table and when we gather at the table with Jesus, we are sitting at a table with Jesus. By the power of the Holy Spirit, we are here and we learn this story into our lives. How do kids learn the ABCs? They sing that song that set to the tune of Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star over and over and over and over again until you're 35 and you're arranging the books in your library and you're going A, B, C, D, E, F, G, even though you're in the U's and you should know by now that you come sandwiched between T and V, but when you're looking at a pile of books, all you can do is go back and sing that song. When we come to the table again and again and again, it's not repetitious in a way that's bad. This isn't you eating a turkey sandwich every day for lunch. This is us learning the story of Jesus, learning the presence of Jesus in our bodies every time we sit down at the table. Every time we come together at this table, we learn this story so that eventually it's just part of who we are. We experience Jesus' presence around the table. Towards the end of the book of Luke, Jesus had been crucified, buried, resurrected, and some of his friends were walking on the road to a town called Emmaus. And Jesus shows up, and because he was in his resurrected body, um, that is as it will be at the fullness of time when he returns, he was able to hide himself, disguise himself. And so he's walking along, talking with his friends, and eventually it gets late, and they sit down. Uh, they invite him in to their home for a meal. That's what you did. You, you, if a traveler was walking along with you, you invited them to sit down for a meal. And it was at that table. They didn't recognize Jesus in the teaching. They didn't recognize Jesus by his walking. They recognized Jesus. It says their eyes were opened when he broke the bread. He had taken the bread and he blessed it and he broke it and their eyes were opened. And it's an experience with Jesus. I can stand up here for hours on end and tell you all sorts of things about the Bible and about Jesus. And, and there's so much that can be said just about this one thing about the Lord's table and communion and history and theology and all of this. But it can go in one ear and out the other. But when we take the Lord's Supper together, when we come to this table as a body of believers, as a group of followers of Jesus, we experience it. The Holy Spirit is here. The Holy Spirit is present with us, bringing Christ's presence to us. Many times we think about our faith as just something that happens in our heads or in our hearts. But through the table, Christ is physically present with us, with our bodies. And so... We experience Jesus at the table 
through the Holy Spirit, through eating these things, through taking into our mouths the bread that represents Jesus' body that was broken and Jesus' blood that was spilled by the evil forces of the world who don't recognize who Jesus is. But we take those things into ourselves and by doing, we don't just hear a word, we experience it. And we discern Jesus' presence at the table. There are a lot of people that Jesus ate with. In a couple of weeks, we're going to talk about a guy named Zacchaeus. And Zacchaeus had Jesus at his table. And that story ends with Zacchaeus repenting of some wrongdoing that he did. But on the night that Jesus celebrated this meal, he was betrayed. And his betrayer, Judas, got up and left the table. Do you see what's happening here? It's two different reactions to the same thing. When we discern Jesus' presence, we discern that Jesus is here, and we discern that in the presence of Jesus, something within us has to change. That's why Paul, later on, if you read this whole passage, Paul is very explicit about examining ourselves. Because you can't stand in the presence of Jesus and not be changed. People always had a reaction to Jesus. Nobody was ever like, Jesus, neat. It was always either, ugh, who is this guy? Or, who is this guy? Or, the, or people would fall at Jesus' feet, begging for mercy, begging for help. You can't run into Jesus and not have a reaction. And we discern Jesus' presence around the table. We discern in ourselves what we need to change. We discern within ourselves what things are outside of the lordship of Christ so that we know from the presence of Jesus how we can follow Jesus better. Jesus sat around the table with 12 unworthy people because Judas wasn't the only one who was going to betray Jesus. Jesus sat with Peter as well, who denied Jesus three times. All of the disciples scattered as Jesus was arrested. Only one ended up at the foot of the cross. We are unworthy to be at this table. But have you thought about Jesus chooses to be at this table with us? We show up and Jesus is already here. We show up and Jesus is already ready to meet us. And so what we discern from the table is what we need to do so that when we walk away from the table, we also don't betray Jesus. We learn and experience and discern the presence of Jesus so that we can become people of the table. 
Baptists have historically been known as people of the word. But my challenge to you today is how, is how to become people of the table. We do it through prayer. We do it through gathering. We do it through over and over again, coming to this table and realizing that Jesus meets us here. Because when we get to know the presence of Jesus here around this table, when we learn what this story means, when we experience Jesus' presence, we start to see outside of here the other tables in our lives where Jesus is also present. May we today as we take the bread and drink the cup, may we start on a journey to not just become people of the word, but to become people of the table and people who are immersed in the presence of Jesus everywhere we go. Amen.